Good morning. I'm struck uh, to the point of distraction that I need to say this right now after what just occurred and what's happening in our uh, country and even to some degree in our state uh, right now. And that we just witnessed a baby, a life, a human being, in this case, being dedicated to this church into the loving arms of two adoptive parents, if that's the right term, adoptive parents, because the biological mother of that beautiful little baby that we just saw chose life. So we may or may not know, I don't know if we know who the biological mother is or not, but I'm going to pray for her right now. Would you just join me in a prayer of thanksgiving? Father, we thank you for the heart that you put in that woman. We don't know the circumstances, but you did. We didn't know uh, what happened or how this even happened, but you did. And Father, we just thank you for the heart of that woman, whoever she is, wherever she is, or Holy Spirit in her, whatever it was that you did, her hand, to allow that beautiful little girl to be delivered from what is the easy choice in these difficult situations, to be delivered to full term, to be birthed into this uh, world so that she could serve you. Father, we cannot wait to see what the miracle will be that you have created uh, in this beautiful little child. But we thank you for this mother who made the right and probably very difficult choice to carry that baby to full term. So bless her, Father. And Father, we pray that if she knows you, that she will know your pleasure. But as importantly, Lord, if she does not yet know you, Lord, we pray that you will make your presence and your favor known to her right now in the name of Jesus, and that she will walk closer with you to be in your arms and will walk free from guilt and shame to whatever the circumstances may have been that led to this baby being put up for adoption. Let her walk in freedom. Let her walk in liberty. Let her know you and let her be with you for eternity. So we're praying for her salvation if she does not yet know you, and we're praying for your favor and blessing even if she does, if she does know you, that let her know that that baby has been delivered into loving, godly household of God and household of, of, uh, of this family over here. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, we can't, we got to keep our eyes wide open, folks, because we're in a world where there's a lot that's happening. And even moments like that, where it's so almost sweet, if you think about a baby being de uh, dedicated, and it was, and, and it's done so nicely in this church. But what was striking me to the point I almost couldn't listen to Pastor Lynn when he was speaking was that baby could have had a very different, that could have been a very different outcome. That we almost turned a blind eye to and ignore that circumstance. Now this is not, there, there is no condemn, condemnation in the house of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there are some even in our own church family who have had to make decisions and made decisions that did not yield the same outcome. This is not a condemnation comment that I'm making. This is a glorification comment that I'm making to bring glory to the name of God and, and quite frankly, to pray a blessing upon that woman, whoever it was that is a biological mother, to have made a decision when everything in society would have said, why bother? And as followers of Christ, you know, we need to make decisions on a regular basis now maybe even more than in the past, that are based on biblical truth, not the influence of society, not the influence of our friends, our co-workers, or even our elected officials. We need to be following the advice of God. 
So, so my comment here, I wasn't going to say it this way, but I'll move into my message, which is related, and interestingly enough, um, indirectly. Brothers and sisters, let's keep our eyes wide open. We are in a period where, where many in the world who do not know the Lord are not only sleepwalking, but they are the victims of mental and mind and emotional manipulation. There is a spirit of manipulation and control that is going in, uh, and, and moving with power and effectiveness from the realm of darkness uh, 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 and, and influencing into perverse ways that non-believers would never expect that they would be led to be now considering normal. But my caution isn't actually to them. And my word today isn't to them, it's to you. Most in this house would probably call themselves believers. How much pressure, how much um, awareness, even quite honestly, how awake are we to the subtleties of the mind control, and in some cases not so subtle, mind control that is occurring right now in our country more than we've ever seen, and it's being perpetuated not only by the realm of darkness, but it is, but it's being facilitated by technology and the ability to speak to people all the time, all day long, the messaging that might be quite contrary to the Word of God. And unless we have our wise eyes wide open with spiritual toothpicks, you know, keep Holy Spirit eyes wide open, we're going to miss it, and we're going to find ourselves in this dullness, in this confusion. And the enemy works from a position of confusion first, and then if the confusion doesn't work, he's going to step into fear. So if he can't do it subtly, he'll do it more directly. But there's this confusion. There could be this numbness. Uh, are you familiar with the term gaslighting? Would you raise your hand if you've heard the term gaslighting? Okay, so there's a lot of you. Okay, great. That's when saying some, something um, is that really isn't, or that something that isn't really is. In other words, it's lying. It's lying to you to the point to where you start to question yourself. Or you start to question your faith. Or you start to question what is truth. I think this is a good time, if you'll allow me to today, to walk us through, I don't know, I guess I would call it a spiritual heart check. Um... Pastor Rich delivered a message back in July. It was on July 17th. And um, he spoke. Do any of you remember what it was about? Could. That la- anyone else? Was that? That's exactly what it was. So I'm gonna, that's very excellent that you remember. I wasn't expecting a response. That's good. And I wasn't, not, not that I wasn't respecting, expecting a response because the message didn't land. But, you know, six weeks go by. Life happens. Can you even remember what the headlines were six weeks ago? So the fact you can remember the message would tell me that that was a message that landed and um, is an important one relevant for today. Now, I don't know, um, in, a ter- in the time frame that you have from a pulpit of 40 minutes to an hour or so, whether it's Pastor Rich, Pastor Lynn, or whoever's speaking here, or me, you can't always pull these things out as far as you might want to. You have to kind of plant the seed and then trust the Holy Spirit to work in those that are hearing his word. But the word resounded with me, and I remember him saying, be prepared, and it was like alert, 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 all hands on deck, all hands on deck. And that's the way he communicated it. 
I would say that the way I was hearing that in my own, uh, in my own spirit was eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. That's why I use that toothpick analogy of spiritual. Eyes wide open. Don't allow yourself to be lured in and to be um, dulled in almost as if you're taking slow dose increase of a drug or something where you're just becoming more and more numb to it. And that's what society does. Now, it's a little more obvious right now. I believe that the enemy is over, overplaying his hand. And I suppose I should say up front that this is not a political message, although it could be, it's not intended to be. This is a spiritual message because you already know from the Bible that these um, principalities of evil and darkness that we are coming against or that may be coming against us are not of flesh and blood. We know that this is from a spiritual realm, so we need to address it in a spiritual way, which means we have to be awake in our spirit man. So if we're only responding in our physical man, or, or really more typically our soulish man, remember we are a spirit being, we live in a body, and we have a soul. And our soul is really what we often think of as our personality. Um, it's your mind, what you're thinking, it's your emotions, it's what you're feeling, and it's your will. And you've heard me and others speak on this before, so I won't um, emphasize that too much, but I'll put it into relationship that the spirit, his spirit that dwells within us has influence over the spirit man. We want to be able to give the Holy Spirit that dwells within us full release over our soul. Full, some people refer to it as the flesh, but full release over our soul, over our mind, our will, and our emotions so we can see and we can detect up front what's going on before it starts having an impact on ourselves or our family or our communities. When it comes to our education system in this country, even our political system and other areas, our generations of my age, maybe a generation older and a generation younger, I'm in my high 50s, are, are to a great degree responsible for being asleep at the switch spiritually. There was the assumption, just like in a place like Idaho, we assume everyone votes. Idaho does not have a very good voter turnout record, by the way. But, in, but we think, because we're such a deep red uh, state, that we don't need to vote. It's a foregone conclusion what's going to happen. That's the same situation that's occurred in the United States of America. We're a Christian nation, founded on Christian principles. We've even heard Pastor Rich say on Wednesday evening classes that he believes the Constitution of the United States is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe so, too. That's a great way that that's um, spoken. But guess what's happened? We've taken it for granted. Just as we've taken our freedom for granted, we've taken our, our faith for granted. And this is not a flogging. I'm not giving a flogging now. This is a spiritual health check. This is, okay, how am I doing? Take my pulse. And so this is, this is a pulse, by the way, that I'm going to ask that we take for ourselves. This is not about the state of Idaho, the city of Boise, or Canyon County versus Ada County, or red versus blue. This is about each of you individually in your seats. Because you know what? Until we start walking the talk, it has no power, no influence, it's no nothing. We can sit in a safe chamber like this and we can say whatever we want for now all day long and it won't change anything if we don't actually start exercising it, demonstrating it ourselves. So when it comes to the area of today's discussion, I want to talk and, want, uh, and, and pull it in, narrow this very broad subject down to the idea of preparation. Now, in my professional career, before retiring, I'd spent 33 years in bringing organizations, sometimes very small organizations, sometimes very large organizations, from point A to point B. And in order to bring an organization of people which is made up of, uh, organization is made up of individuals, there's a certain amount of preparation that the organization at large requires, 
uh, which is not necessarily what I'm referring to today, but there's also a certain amount of preparation that individual people who are parts of that organization require. So what I'm sharing with you today is not a commentary on necessarily on this church or the church at large. It's on actually us individually because it's a collection of individuals that make an organization. So for us to kind of have this commentary where we're always commenting on things, it's almost nauseating because we ourselves need to be able to have that in us that will be the power that can affect those around us, sometimes by us doing nothing. Because when we're carrying the glory of God on us, it's quite often we don't actually have to do anything to, sh a, to shift the atmosphere in the space and at times even shift the mindset. We need to know that, we need to walk in that, and we need to be confident in that. Let me give you a couple of quick principles before I jump into the main content for today. What are the steps we would do to prepare ourselves? If we're to prepare, and, and, and prepare for what? Well, you can paint the for what part however you'd like, but let's just say prepare ourselves for today and maybe even next week. And so let me give a couple of ideas on this that just you can think. If you're taking notes, uh, these will be easy to remember because they all start with P. Uh, in order to prepare, you want to evaluate your perspective, your position, and your posture. And because the sermon is not about this, I'm not going to do a deep dive, but let me just throw it out there that in order to prepare, you want to look at your perspective, your position, and your posture. So your perspective is something that uh, it comes between you and what you're actually looking at um, or you're thinking about. What are the different influences that are coming between you and them? So I have a very good view of all of you right now, and most of you have a pretty good view of me. But if I was to come down like this behind the pulpit, you could still hear me, but depending on where you're sitting, you probably wouldn't be able to see me because your perspective or your view has been blocked like this. I don't know if you can see through this or not, but can you see my hand waving? Okay, so you can see my hand waving, but your perspective is being influenced by what you're looking through. So you want to be very careful as you're going through this self-assessment process, this spiritual health check. This is not about religion and rules and so forth, but, this, but it does apply standards and it does apply these things that please God and don't please God. What perspective are you looking through? What are the things that are um, interfering with your ability to, to see, hear, and understand uh, the purity, the holiness of God's word and his desire for us? There's a lot of things. I would propose to you a starting point, though, is a word we don't usually like to say too much in modern church in America, but it is sin. That's not the subject of today's message either, but it is something we need to evaluate. Sinfulness, especially willful sin that we engage in when we know we shouldn't be. It's one thing if you maybe don't know it's a sin, but if you do know it's a sin and you're engaging it, those are the things that are going to start scarring your heart or they're going to start impacting your perspective of God's Word, and it's going to make a difference on how you function and move in your, uh, to the degree that you're prepared or not prepared. Think of a soldier who's been well-trained on how to use a military weapon with high technology. And if there's something that is impacting their ability to um, use what they've been trained to do, uh, then they uh, will not be as effective doing what they're doing. So, for example, if a soldier is intoxicated or taking drugs, he's not going to be able to respond in the way because something's coming between him, whether it's his senses or his emotions or his ability to do the things he needs to do. So I would ask you just to take a look at your perspective 
And what are the things that are coming specifically? What are the things that are coming between you and the clarity with which I can see you right now? Ask yourself that question. In addition to your own perspective, oh, I guess I should add this. Is your perspective from heaven down to earth? So are you, are you starting in a heavenly position, looking down to earth, or are you in an earthly position, looking up to heaven? And that would be the third P, the, posi- the position. So it's your, in order to prepare, you evaluate your perspective. What are the things coming between a clarity and a not being clear? What are the things that are, are affecting your vision, if you will? What's your position where are you at? Are you in the heavenly? Are you living from the, from the uh, I'll call it the invisible realm, into the physical realm? Or are you in the physical room, realm trying to survive, trying to grasp the invisible realm? And there is an opportunity as Holy Spirit-filled Christians, even those yet who have not received the fullness by the baptism with the Holy Spirit, because, because even at our, at our, when we're born again, Holy Spirit dwells within us immediately, we are able to perceive from a godly perspective and position, heavenly position, if we know what it is. I'm going somewhere with this, so thank you for bearing with me. And lastly, I'm going to, back, I'm going to go forward, then I'm going to come back. So it's, it's preparation, starts with perspective, evaluate how you're looking at things, what are blocking, what's blocking my view. Position, am I looking at it from, in a spiritual realm, am I looking at it from, heavenly, from a heavenly perspective down to the earth? Or, and you know, honestly, a lot of us do this, me too, sometimes, unless I catch myself, or Holy Spirit does, I look at it from a earthly perspective, and that's where the wringing of the hands Christians are, the ones that are so worried and so frustrated and so disgusted by what's happening. Oh, well, there is a certain amount of, of, uh, of horror that is actually coming and being released upon the earth by the demonic realm that we need to not be ignorant of. That is, that is a circumstance. The question is, how do we react to the circumstances around us? And I would propose to you that your position that you are, if you're in the heavenly realm looking down or out, however you'd like to think of it, or whether you're in the earthly realm like thinking, Lord, get me out of here. Beam me up now, Scotty. Take me away. That's not what he put us here for because he could have ended this a long time ago. In fact, he did. But the reason we're here still is so that we can populate heaven and plunder hell. That's what our role is. So we are not here to be just wringing our hands and concerned. These are things, these are wake-up calls. If you could, in, the, in one of the resorts, uh, I used to run resorts. In one, one of the resorts I was at, very large place, and it was some new construction, and part of the painful process of commissioning a, a commercial facility is the fire alarm system. And they never seems like they work the first time. So you'd have days and days of us commissioning the fire alarm system with the contractor that's doing that. And so we, we became accustomed to being in this building at work, doing our job. Uh, the, we were not open for business yet. But doing our jobs as we prepare to open for business with the fire alarm running as almost from 8 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon while the contractor went around and did all the troubleshooting to figure out which smoke detector out of the 3,000 is actually one that's activating it and why isn't this signal going here. So you know what? We stopped ignoring the sound of the fire alarm. Think about normally if the fire alarm went off. I don't know what the, it sounds like in here, but if the fire alarm went off, that would immediately get your attention right now because most of us have probably never heard it before. But if you're hearing it over 
over and over and over as possible to tune it out. And I'm sharing with you, God from the heavenly realm, through his Holy Spirit that dwells within each of us, is sending an alarm, an alarm, an alarm, an alarm. And we need to be alert and awake to it and not pushing the doze switch on that alarm. We've done that before, right? When you're waking up in the morning and you push the doze switch and you push it one time, two times, three times, and suddenly you realize you've missed the time you're supposed to be awake. We don't want to have a spiritual, we don't want to have a doze switch on our spiritual alarm clock. And the last of these P's, so again, it's in preparation, we look at perspective, we look at position, and then we look at posture. It's true, uh, using a physical analogy is a good way to think of it, but, but try to use my physical analogy and apply it in the spiritual realm, okay? Um, because if we're preparing to do something in the physical realm, like run a race, make a mental picture in your mind, if you were race, running track, what would be the posture you would take? Have any of you ever wrestled, like in high school wrestling? Any high school wrestlers in here or any wrestling at all? Okay, there's a very clear, very distinct posture you take as you face your adversary. I used to only dabble in wrestling. I got, <laughs> I got, um, it's a long story. A coach wanted me to be a wrestler because I had the right physique for it, but I certainly didn't have the discipline and I was very lost at the time. And so I was, I was doing other things. But I, what I was familiar with that posture. And you take a posture. Think of that physically, that physical posture. Think of, are you doing that? What's your spiritual posture look like even right now? And I'll give you some examples. And in your own mind, you can answer the question. Spiritually, are you, are you in an offensive spot posture? Offensive. Not, not offensive, but offensive. Meaning you are in a posture where, which is forward-leaning. Are you like this spiritually right now, where you are forward-leaning? Or, and, 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 and feet are important when it comes to posture in, in physical life, but your spiritual feet matter too when you think about what the full armor of God and what your, what your feet are. Um, you, are you, what's your posture? Are you leaning forward? Are you taking in? Are you leaning in? Are you facing your adversary one-on-one? -on -one? Are you actually trying to look a little threatening while you do that if you're facing the adversary? Or... Are you standing firm? So you're, you're not leaning in. You're not, you're not taking that extra, hey, I'm going to take you out right now. You have no authority here. You're out of here. That's the first one. That's leaning forward. Or are you just standing firm? Whether it's this or that. Oh, this is probably better. Are you standing firm? That's just holding ground. Okay? So as a Christian, spiritually, are you forward-leaning? Or are you standing firm? Standing firm is not bad, by the way, but just be aware that if you're doing that, all you're doing is holding ground. Okay? Okay, you're going to like this one, or maybe you won't like this one. What, what about the next posture? By the way, these just dropped in the Spirit. So I hadn't, if anyone's ever written this or said this before, I don't know, but I kind of made it up. All right, so you've got forward-leaning, standing firm, and then there's self-preservation. Uh, That's a defensive posture. So that's where you're kind of like you're getting ready to fight. You're in a defensive posture, whether you're using a weapon or using your arms, and you're in self-preservation mode. That's all, you wanted, that's all you're going to do. In fact, I would propose, gosh, it sounds um, a little unkind, but I don't mean it to. I propose that many uh, Christians are actually, and this is a comment in general. Just answer the question yourself whether you fall in that. For that self-preservation mode looks more like a fetal position, all right? 
Or maybe, remember in the 50s, the ducking covered a high, it was before my birthday, but I've seen the videos, with this atomic bombs kind of duck, duck and cover, and you come down like this. So I'll come, I know I'm not supposed to go there. I've been told that's like an open heaven or something over there. But if, if you come down over here, then it's, so what are you? Are you in a fetal position? Are you still sucking your thumb? Or are you here? Now, this is not trying to be critical, because, you know, life happens, and life can be really scary. I found out in June that when my wife was feeling a little um, poorly one day and felt a little dizzy, 10 hours later, the doctors told me she had a stroke and might have another one and might not make it through the night. As it turned out, that was a false diagnosis. There was a ton of prayer by this church and by our leadership and by the prayer team and administrators. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, and, and she's here in the room right now and has been for the last 10 weeks or so. They, they said her recovery, even without a stroke, would probably wouldn't be till Christmas. So... Do you respond to that? And you've all got your own stories. I mean, there are, there are stories in this room. I don't know all of them. I know a few of them as I even look at you because we pray for you. But there's way, way more than I know, obviously. So what's our reaction? Again, this is not a condemnation talk. This is a let's do the assessment. Let's determine where we are so we can put one step in front of the other and come around each other, by the way, with prayer. We had a men's group meeting a couple of weeks ago, and there's opportunity for ministry time there. And we can come around each other. We can pray for each other's needs. We're not to do this alone or by ourselves. So prepare, perspective, so elements of preparation, perspective, position, and posture. Are we forward-leaning? Are we standing firm? Or are we in a position of self-preservation or surrender? That's it. That means I'm, I'm just I'm giving up. And uh, I'm, as a Christian, I'm no longer going to, st I'm just going to go along with it in the workplace. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try to, if I'm in a position of influence or leadership in where I am in the workplace or somewhere, to actually um, speak or influence the outcome of what occurs. And you're just going to say, you know, that's it. Basically, damn all you guys, I'm going to heaven, not you guys, but, you know, those guys, I'm going to heaven, and so I just surrender. The world doesn't want to know. I'm just, it, it, I, I just surrender now, and I give up. Now, you know what surrender is, right? That's a public acknowledgement of defeat. So part of that checklist, again, is are we forward-leaning? So are we taking the offensive spiritually as Christians? Are we ready? Um, are, we or are we standing firm? So we're like, okay, yeah, we're pretty strong. We got it together. We have it together. We're just going to hold our own ground. We're just going to maintain what we've got. We're not even going to try and take more ground. And remember, by the way, the opposition, the adversary is relentless. He knows his time is short. He knows his days are numbered. In fact, you can probably count them at hours in some cases. He's going to up his game as much as possible. So prepare yourself, because if you're that standing firm person, it won't be very long till you're in self-preservation. And, and, and you know what? It won't be very long after self-preservation that you're in surrender. Now, these are very, very hard decisions and a big, or, or, or comments I'm making in a very large scale for very large moral issues. But what about smaller moral issues? What do we do? I don't have the answer for all of these. I'm just throwing some of them out. What do you do if the company you buy from... You know, some of these companies have become so, if you want to use that term, woke, that they won't carry certain products because of the, um, the connotation with the product of whoever maybe makes that. Or you think of the MyPillow guy with Mike Lindell, or you think of way back when the previous president was elected, his daughter had a successful cosmetic business, and Nordstrom pulled the plug on or cosmetics or, cosmetics or clothing. 
in, in clothing and pulled the plug on her clothing. That was, that was six years ago before we even knew companies were doing that and Nordstrom was doing that. So it starts subtly and then it becomes very visibly and then suddenly companies are held up in esteem and in a high regard when they start doing those things that are specifically against our will. How about Amazon? Well, I love Amazon. As an, maybe I shouldn't be calling out individual companies, but it's an example of a company that is coming against Christian values by providing paid-for abortions for their employees. As an example, they will pay to travel, to transport them across state lines in order to do that. Is that a place you want to buy from? We have, at least I have to wrestle from that because we still buy that. Any number of other companies, by the way, it's not only that, it's Target and goes on and on and on, long list. So if they're boycotting us, do we ever boycott them? Or do, or do we even aware of that as well? So that's just something to give, a, to give some thought to about what will our stand be? Are we hold, only holding ground or are we in self-preservation or are we in surrender? Okay, now I want to I jump into some more content here because that was a pretty long introduction. What that does is set the stage for a spiritual quick look at where you are. And now I want to use some more church-type examples, if you will, as it relates to us in a Christ, very specifically in a Christian context like this. And let's use this church for a minute. You know, when we think about the worship that we just had and the way that, the, that worship is more than just singing songs that we like, although you could go to churches where it's that way, and they're very hyper-produced with a bunch of high-tech sound systems and all the other things, it's really like you're watching a concert as opposed to a moment of ministry. And when you come into a church like this and you are in, a, in our worship time, as an example, that's, that's a moment of, or several moments of ministry. And you know who we're ministering to. Sure, we receive benefit and a blessing from that, but we're ministering, ministering to the Lord. And when we minister to the Lord, so it's not actually about us. It's about Him and who we're, who we're, who we're worshiping. We're, that's why it's called worship. So we're worshiping Him. And when you do that, that invites His manifest presence. Now, we quickly we know that, that, that the presence of God is, he is omnipresent, so he's everywhere we got. We understand that. But I'm referring to manifest presence. That means where he actually reveals himself often in a way that can be detected in the physical realm. It can be detected by, uh, depending on how you perceive the presence of the Holy Spirit, it could be by, you know, the raising, for me, it's the raising of the hair on my arms. You might, for my wife, she can feel like a touching on the back of her head. Uh, my wife and another woman in the congregation last week felt water on their head while they were worshiping. And, they, and kind of both of them looked up to see, and they were too far away from the balcony, so they knew it wasn't any little kids, Pastor Tim, <laughs> dripping the water over the... Probably the first thing a, a dad just thought about wasn't dripping water over anything like that. And you've heard of other churches that experience things like gold dust or whatever, or you can experience... This, is, this manifest glory is, is, is uh, the presence of God. We often say, oh, and our pastor will always say it's about the presence. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's an easy and effective way to say it's about his glory, because his glory is his presence, his presence is his glory, and we've often, or we've heard that referred to sometimes as Shekinah. So we're welcoming in his, his presence, we want to have that manifest presence here with us. So we have that down, that's one of the ways that we can have a relationship with the Lord, and, and it's what makes Valley Church, I believe it's, an, it's one of the... It's probably one of the foundational elements that allows us to experience the goodness of God because we're in his presence in a more profound way than we might otherwise be able to do by ourselves. Now, we have the ability 
he certainly wants us to be able to experience that, his presence, that thick, that real in our bedroom or our prayer closet or, or even in our car while we're driving. That does um, take some maturity and discipline and intentionality. But you almost can't walk into this sanctuary during worship as a believer and potentially even as non-believers without sensing the presence of God. The non-believer may not know what they're sensing. The believer probably knows what they're sensing and think, whoa, that's something else. It's not manufactured, it's invited. And I have had opportunities to travel, go to conferences and so forth, where every effort is made, every focus is made to manufacture the presence of the Holy Spirit. I would find that so insulting if I was Holy Spirit. You know, you can't, you, you create this feeling of, and I'm not against, per se, smoke machines as an example. I'm not really against them. But the problem is it can create this false sensation. It's an artificial reality that's there to almost manipulate you into a certain state. That doesn't mean I wouldn't go to a church like that. It just means it's, it's just be aware of that. We never want anyone or anything to be manipulating us. So when it comes to the power of the presence of God uh, over, say, let's say, let me say this, because I've got to move on. We are a presence-driven church, and we've heard our pastors say that so many times. Now, a presence-driven church as opposed to what? Well, I'll show you what. A programs-driven church. So there can be many churches. We have programs, but, but many, many, many programs. And the way that there's retention is, the, so the glue, if you will, in a programs-driven church is workers and volunteers. Now, we do need people to serve us in the ministry, to serve in the ministry here and the different elements in ushers and school and security and, and Sunday school and all that. We do need that, but that's not the glue. The glue is the second thing that we have in this church. That's not a theological term, so I'll translate it. And it's his love. Now, you cannot have the love of God without having his presence. So you first, that's the, fundamentally, we have to start with his presence. And I'm talking now, in this case, in a corporate setting, you have, to, you have to have his presence. And from his presence, we can then receive his love, which is our source of power and influence. And in a place like this, it's very striking. How many of you, if, if, you've, if I could, maybe if you've been here less than five years, when you came into the church, did you sense a sensing of love? Just a love that was not a human love, but that's almost everybody who's, who's doing that. And that's to his glory, so we, we love Pastor Lynn and Pastor Renee, but that's to his glory that his love is flowing through our leadership, flowing through each of us, most of us, and into others. Now, it's to a degree um, that I guess I know this church. I've been here three years. I guess I know this church well enough. You wouldn't think this was weird if I said this, but it's a substance. The substance of the, the, so where's this love come from? It's the Father's love. It's the love from the Father's heart. He releases it to us by his Holy Spirit that dwells within each of us, and then it fills us to overflowing, and we're able to then share it with others. So it's actually a substance that you can feel and you can receive. And if you've heard Heidi Baker ever preach, or you've probably already heard Pastor Renee refer to this on different occasions, where she'll be praying, and she's praying for a baptism of love. Well, we, that's an idea, not so much a biblical concept, but it's an idea where we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit with, with uh, the Spirit and power. Spirit is His love in us. That love is released onto others. So this church has a premise of the presence of the Holy Spirit, has a premise of the, the outflow of that from the Holy Spirit is the love. It doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen because it's manufactured. It happens from a position of surrender and submission. To allow God's will to move through you. 
Now we get to actually the point I was going to make <laughs> after all of that. Um, and I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll be sensitive to the time if we have 10 or 15 minutes left. Um, I'm so excited to have this opportunity to speak, and I really appreciate it very much because it's been on my heart almost to the point I couldn't sleep. This is the idea of preparation. And when I spoke to the men in, in uh, August about it, I used a different angle, and it was about preparing your heart, having a clean heart before the Lord, and that you, that you can't actually hide sin. And I don't know if you've spoken to any of your men and what it was. And, and different people heard it different ways. I used some interesting ways to get to it. Um, but there was a heart message that was there. And I talked about fan versus follower. You know, are you a, which is a book that was written by, um, uh, I think, Shane, uh, Kyle Eidelman or someone like that back about 10 or 15 years ago. And it's, it's a series of questions, which I'm not going to go through today because of, of for time. But it's, it, it's, a, it's very thought-provoking um, about why are you in church, really? Why are we here? Do we love each other? Well, we do, and that's great. Do we love the experience? Do we love the, the Holy Spirit manifestations? Or do we love the one that rep is represented by those Holy Spirit manifestations? Do we love the gifts, or do we love the gift? We love, we have, do we do healings? We do deliverance at the altar? We do all these people are set free from... Remar from it, it's, a, it's a fantastic place to be, but are we chasing gifts and phenomena that is of God, or are we chasing the one who is the source of all of that? Yes. And, are we, and do we have a heart's desire? Has our heart been broken? Now look, when, I come to, when it comes to sin, this is not a message on sin, but I'll just say this. When it comes to sin, and I'll speak, well, I can't speak for men either, really. I'll just speak for myself. I have hidden sin before. I know what hidden sin is. And in some cases, I hid it for years and years and years. And it was an open door. And then that had to be dealt with in a different way, which goes beyond the scope of today's discussion. But I know what it's like to walk in bondage. I know what it's like to be uh, as an adult. So it's not a kid thing. I was born again as a full-on adult, and I still was in bondage. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was still in bondage. I was good at hiding it, but I couldn't hide it from God. And when I was sharing that with the men the other day about David when he had the uh, adulterous repair, uh, affair with Bathsheba, and how he, he was confronted because he had this hidden sin. That was what was blocking. He had a hidden sin. He, he actually thought he could hide it from God, and he tried to manufacture that. How many of us have actually not done that? I would, I would say most of us probably have. Done something and then try to hide it. Well, you might hide it from your wife or your son or your daughter or whatever it might be, but, but you're not going to hide it from God. So there's a, there's a terrific importance here, and here's the flow. Presence-driven church. As a result of that, his love flows to the degree that we don't have to be the church that bangs you over the head. I've been in some pretty, I mean, I don't, I don't mean this critically. It's a different way of communicating. But I've been in it, churches that are really just banging you and banging you and banging you as you go through. And that can, that can convict you. It can work. Because if it's actually the word of God, it won't return void. But it is, but it, it, it is a, it is um, one approach. It's going to be his love that compels people. And when his love is felt in you and on you, it's not one you can manufacture. You know, any of our pastors are nice people. 
But their love is not, I mean, I know Pastor Tim pretty well now, and you're a lovely man, Tim. But your love is finite. There is a limitation to that, okay? And so is mine. But his is infinite amount. So it, with the freedom and the release we have when we let his love throw, flow through us is remarkable. But here's the third, and this is the component I wanted to mention today. We have these things. We race towards these things. We actively pursue his presence. We, 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 we pleasure in his love, and we, we embrace it. We take it. We try to give it away, and we're just giving, you know, giving the love away. We know those things. And I got to say that many churches um, in America are missing those elements because they manufacture some of these elements. And the religious, the, well, I said the word religious, the, the experience, the faith experience becomes one of religion. It's something you do versus having a relationship. Now, countless times in a born-again audience like this, you would have heard the expression that it's a brother Rick. It's about relationship, not religion. It's not about things you do in order to earn God's favor. And that's absolutely true. But how can you have a relationship with somebody? God is an entity in three beings. Holy Spirit's a person. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. There's God. How can we have a relationship, a love relationship, with someone who we profess to believe and adore and respond to musically with, with um, different expressions, outward expressions of our love, just like you would... Um, at an airport when you meet a loved one coming in, as an example. Have you ever seen those outward expressions? You're waiting. I used to travel so much for my job. And so I would travel. This is kind of sad. I would travel through so many international gateways. And when you get past customs and security, or even like America, airports in the United States now, when you get past security, that last point when you leave and those doors open and your loved one is waiting for you on the other side, there's a physical response. They jump up. They race towards you. They hug you. If it's a father coming towards a child, you pick, if father coming towards a child, you pick up the child. If it's a husband and wife, you're holding each other so close that you can feel their heartbeat and you can hear them breathe. That is an outward expression of an inward relationship that, that is between them. I propose to you to consider this as maybe the last major part of our spiritual health check, and that is... To what degree do we know the will of God? What is his will? If you were meeting somebody on the street, now this, this, this room has got a broad range of denominations represented and a broad range of spiritual you know, time, time in service, if you will, as you're walking along. What is the will of God? And you might say, well, Mr. Smarty Pants, you tell me. Well, that would take probably a sermon series over 10 weeks, which I don't think I'm qualified to give, but I can give you this. The will of God is revealed in His Word. And in Holy Spirit, charismatic, Pentecostal, even love-based circles, it's the last thing often that is talked about. The will of God. Now, we get plenty of Scripture from this pulpit. Our relationship is not Pastor Lynn's responsibility. Our relationship with the Lord is not Pastor Lynn's responsibility. He's, a, he's, he's to lead us to water, we're to drink. There was a time, maybe a year ago, when he asked us to read a passage and come back to church next week because he's going to talk about it. And he asked us, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this because we didn't talk about this. Um, and he asked the congregation, 
How many of you read it? I think like four people did. And I hadn't either. And I was convicted. Not that I wasn't spending time in my Bible, but I, had to, I didn't actually do that. So he can lead us to the water, but he can't make us drink. And so this is about you, not him, actually, or the church you know, in general. This is about this relationship. A relationship is one-on-one. As we said all the time as born-again believers. I'm a former Catholic, by the way. So I said it a lot. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. So what is your relationship? Is your relationship just the Holy Ghost goosebumps party we can have when we're all gathered together as a family? Because this should be a celebration. This should be a place. This is what we should be doing here. But the responsibility to have that relationship is not that much different than our responsibility really with our own, if you're, if you're a married person in the house right now, with our own loved one. Now look, this is church and it's being recorded, I presume, so I won't go into great detail here, but there can be, I'll just call them, you know, exciting fireworks in a marriage relationship, good, good fireworks that are occurring, when there is the moments of terrific um, intimacy. <clears throat> and there can be times when you're arguing about who's supposed to do the dishes next. <laughs> All right? But it's a relationship that you work, we work on together. And so I think, what has been compelling me as we speak in the context of preparing ourselves, not only for what may come, who knows what may come. Actually, I wouldn't even worry about what's going to come. I would worry now about preparing ourselves for today, walking in his presence, walking filled with his love, and knowing his will. And I don't mean to give you a cop-out answer because I have a little more material, which I'm just going to run through a list of. I can do it in the next three minutes but I could expound upon them as well. Because you're going to say, okay, Rick, I got it. But, you know, it's frustrating. Listening to whoever's talking from the pulpit, telling everything we're supposed to be doing, and then I'm not sure entirely how. Because there's important things. This family here had to decide whether they were going to adopt a child or not. So how do you know that's God's will as a family? There are some of you that are in between jobs. There are some of you that have um, struggles in your marriage. How do you know what God's will is as it relates to your response to that? How do you know what to do? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a potential for a geographic location. It might even be which church to attend. How do you know what God's will is for you? Two quick, more, two quick major points. God has a will. There is a will that we can speak of. I've heard it taught this way. There is some other more seminary-type terminology, but I'll use this because it's the way I understand it. There's God's standard will that applies to everybody who would call, well, actually to everybody. He has a a subset of expectations for those who know him, but there is a will he has for everybody, and that would be that none shall perish. That's his desire, is that none shall perish. But then he has, uh, there's also different areas of that. There's a standard standard will of God that he has for all of us. He also has a specific will for each of us separately. And that, again, would be a Sunday school class with a series of lessons. Um, But how do I know what God's will is for my life? My life. Rick LeBrun or Matthew or Matthew Parker. Little Matthew over here. Matthew or Parker. How do we know what what his will is for our life individually? Sure, it's a subset of of the significant one. And we can talk about that later. But let me give you a couple quick pointers if I can. And we're going to close in prayer because... um, Because I, f- I felt in my spirit, I'm not sure if I felt this in my intellect or not. I mean, I want to tell the truth. 
Um, I felt in my spirit that the Lord, um, this is a follow-on to Pastor Rich's message about being prepared, but what dropped into my spirit was, um, that do, do they know my will? When we pray that what they call the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will, or some people know your will, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We love that prayer. But if we don't know what his will is, how can we do it? How can we be a part of it? How can we partner him with that? And this may sound a little old school to you, then it, not trying to, because this new school is very relevant, very today. We find it by getting by his word. And that's an invitation, uh, sorry, individual process of revelation, where by his Holy Spirit dwelling in you, he reveals the truth of his will, his desire, his character, his personality to you through his word. It's not something that an organization can do for you. So until we start participating in that and bringing, and I'm not really implying that we're not as a church body, but when we are asked to defend our beliefs, to speak at a school board meeting in your neighborhood because you don't want certain uh, agendas in the school board, uh, if there's certain uh, other political decisions being made, or even in your workplace, and someone says, well, Rick, I kind of hear you, but, you know, I probably was an annoying person to work for because one of the questions was that I would always ask when someone would bring someone, something to me, I would say, based on what? I'd ask them a question. They'd say, boss, I think we should do this, this, or this. And I'd say, okay, based on what? And then they'd kind of build their case. So where are we, brothers and sisters, on the based on what question? How adept? We don't need... To, God bless the Bible trivia people that we even have some in our congregation. That's really good. But do we know the basics? If we had the opportunity, praise the Lord, to explain our salvation experience and why it is the greatest miracle, would we be able to do that in a way that would be effective and compelling? Would we be able to conduct a deliverance? Would we be able to um, do these other things that are not the responsibility of those in ordained ministry? But all you have to do is read his word to see his will that we're all actually supposed to be moving in all of those areas. It is certainly true enough that there are those who hold an office. Oh, this coming weekend, don't miss John Harkey. So we all are to move in the prophetic, but there are much fewer who have been called to the office of the prophetic. And he is the real deal. Um, and, and so don't, don't miss that. But, and there are those who move in healing, move, those who move in deliverance ministries. And that's good. That's praise the Lord for that. But it doesn't mean that none of us, in fact, the Bible is very clear that we all are to move in those areas. And organizational, institutional training will only carry us so far. The closest, even in VSSM, the closest Pastor Rich can bring anybody is to the edge of the water. That's it. And the same thing is true here. And so my, my kind of closing thought here is that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I want to say one more thing. This is super quick.
I don't want to leave the question unanswered of, okay, Rick, if I need to make a decision, how do I know if it's God's will or not? Sorry, I can't read the whole Old Testament and the New Testament before I accept this job offer. How, how do I do that? Because you know what? What we believe to be true, this won't be more than three minutes. What, what we believe to be true and what we see, I've had my eyes, I hate to say this, but you know, I think pride probably um, numbed my senses. I thought I saw something. I was sure I saw something uh, that actually happened in this church that as it, real, as it turned out, I didn't actually bring it to God and say, or Holy Spirit even, and say, Holy Spirit, did I really see that? And I actually didn't. And, I mean, I didn't perceive it correctly. I did see something, but I didn't perceive it correctly. So the same thing is true when it comes to a job offer. Just use an example. One with a whole lot more pay, but you got to move out of state and leave your church or, or um, commute for very long distances or whatever it might be. Or might it be a job that has less pay, but um, it's closer to your kid's school. It's what your wife wants you to do or whatever. How do you weigh those two things? Well, surely the provider and the protector in the household would want to make more money because we can then provide for our family better. There is no greater value and provision that a protector, the head of the household, can provide than being the husband and priest of that house. Hold. And it's not about the amount of money we earn. It's not about the position we hold in society. It's not even about what our education is. It's about are we, are we providing godly headship over our households. But when we ask questions like this, let me just run through these quick, and I apologize for shortchanging them. But six indicators that you can ask yourself um, when you're going through. One is, are you at peace? Do you have a sense of His peace? Ask Holy Spirit. You need to be in the practice of asking Holy Spirit. Okay, and say this. Holy Spirit, is this the right, I'll use the example of job. Is this the right job? Married, people who get married need to ask that question all the time. You're not just getting married because of what the person looks like or acts like or to what degree they entertain you. You need to ask Holy Spirit, is this really the person for me? So are you, are you at peace? You need to seek, so you need to sense His peace. You need to seek His Word. So look in the Word. He will never um, counter His Word. He'll never lead you in a path. He won't lead you in a path that is counter to His Word. Abide in His presence. If that's not something we're already doing as a church body, I would encourage you to learn how to abide in His presence. Abide, oh, abide means like um, stay within, remain in, be there. It's like that's your atmosphere. That's where I am. I'm, I'm in His presence. Same thing is true with His love. Abide in His love and do that cross-check to yourself and say, what's my real motivation? Is this, is this my motivation godly love, a source from by His love through me? Or is this my own selfish ambition? Or my own desires in my own soulish realm? You're also to, so you are to sense His peace, seek His word, abide in His presence, abide in His love, and walk in faith. We are to be people of faith. We are to do things that don't make sense. I, I got to tell you, the fact I'm standing in front of you in this state, in this town, in this place from where I was, it makes no sense at all. Way too long of a story to go into, but it's kind of funny. But it was simply, I felt the Holy Spirit was leading us here. Of all places, we'd never been here before. And we're living other places. And we're led here. So don't look for it to make sense. In fact, if it makes sense by the worldview, then it may actually not be of God. So if you're looking at something, even making a purchase like a car, if it looks like it makes sense to do it, remember these words. It might be of the world. You might be relying on your own intellect to make that decision. Someone might be waiting to give you a car. 
So walk by faith. Trust him. Trust his word. Trust in his promises. And here is a very important one that I'll close with. And I want to give an opportunity to respond to this room. We'll have an opportunity to respond to the altar for prayer in any regard you like. I'm not going to... What we want to do is I want to pray a prayer over you, a prayer of blessing. And and I'm not going to ask you to come up yet. But I will ask you to come forward. And what we'll do at that time is just pray over you generally. I don't think I'm even going to lay hands on you. I just want to pray a blessing over you. If, if, uh, if Pastor Leonard, one of the other pastors, feels led to pray a blessing over you also, that would be fine, of course. But I want to pray a blessing over you. There's something, though, when we talk about faith, about actually getting out of your seat and standing up. And w- I'm avoiding this hot spot. I've been told, don't go over there. Um, so, that, like I said, portal, open heaven. I want to finish this to come forward and just receive a blessing in this area that you would be able to know his will for your life that you would be able to know his will and that he would point out to you this is not a public confession this is a asking him to do this to you he would reveal to you where you've not been in his will because at the times we're in we don't want to be walking for a moment longer and not be in his will to be walking it's an act of self-deception And it's one that could have eternal consequences. Because, in fact, we will all be judged. I believe all born-again believers would know that. But just one example, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This is being addressed to believers. So there is an evaluation. We say judge and people get a little cringy. But there is an evaluation. Bible says judge right there. We will be evaluated for what we did with what we had. What he gave us. We will be evaluated with that. So the last thing on this list of six was counsel. Seek counsel. Seek counsel. Seek counsel. Whether you're in a leadership position or whether you're in a... um, a lay position in your home. Don't try to make these decisions by yourself. Don't go into the fortress of, oh, it's only me and the Holy Spirit, and I know. Ask your pastor. Ask a man or woman that you trust to pray over you or to pray for you. To say, here I'm sensing something, Brother Rick or Matt, pa- uh, Pastor Matthew or wh- whoever it is you're talking to and, uh, in the future, and make these large decisions with the counsel of others. The Bible calls it foolishness when we do not seek the counsel of others. The Bible refers to it as people will go wayward. They'll become, the Amplified Version even refers to it as a ship without a helm if we don't become, if we don't, if we make decisions that have spiritual significance or even earthly significance and we haven't sought the will of God and we find the will of God in His presence, we find it by His love and we find it also primarily by His Word. And so I would ask you now to just give that some consideration as to Where are you on this spiritual health check? What is your perspective? What needs to be removed from your perspective? Where is your position? Are you looking from a heavenly perspective or position down and viewing the whole world without fear, but with complete faith because you know that He's in charge and that that for eternity you will be safe and secure with Him? Or are you looking at it from a worldly perspective, looking up, saying, Lord, help me. I'm scared. I'm fearful. The, the impact of the world is coming upon me. 
when it comes to your posture, are you forward leaning? Are you standing? So are you in an offensive position? Or are you only holding ground? Or have you already declared a, a position of defensive position? Are you ready to fight but not move forward? Or have you already declared surrender because of the circumstances that have impacted your life around you? So I'm going to invite everybody to stand first, if you could, as we prepare to close. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask the prayer team just to kind of come on the sides, if you could, on either side of the room, not the altar just yet. But then I'm going to ask if you would respond to this prayer time. This will not be individual prayer right now. You will have an opportunity, if you like, for individual prayer after the blessing. So I just ask you guys to kind of stand on the side of the prayer team, if I could. Because I'm going to ask those of you that would, and I would hope it would be all of you, that would like to, to submit to the Lord and say, Father, I want to know your will. Maybe I know your will now. Maybe I'm already faithful in the word. And I could, I could play Bible trivia with you. But it doesn't mean I've submitted to your will. It doesn't mean I've sought your will. It doesn't even mean I'm walking in your will. If you want, at this point in your life, to come forward and say, I already know you, Lord. I, I already know you, Lord. I love you, Lord, but my heart's desire is to walk in your will, to know your will, to obey you, so I can live life, not only life, but life abundantly. I'd ask you to forward, come, come forward right now. Don't hesitate. Come forward now for us to receive a blessing and a prayer. And what you're asking for is for the Lord to make clear to you one of two things. What has, what has gotten, just keep on coming forward, keep coming forward. You're asking the Lord, there's a lot of people responding, so you come forward, and we'll pray a general blessing. And I think, I'm gonna ask for, just keep coming forward. And maybe if it's possible to keep the doors closed at this time, if that'd be all right for the ushers to keep the doors closed at this time would be great. Uh, if you have to leave, that's okay, but keep, keep coming forward. There's enough room almost here for everybody. And your prayer request right now is that the Lord, keep coming forward, is that the Lord in His goodness, His mercy, and His love, and by His presence here right now amongst us, that He will reveal to you what His will is for you, and that He will reveal to you what might be blocking His will being done. going to stand in a moment of quiet here of reflection this is a this is a very private time for you so again we're not going to lay hands on you right now if you'd like hands laid on you we'll do that separately uh, right afterwards but right now this is very private this is just you and the lord and be honest allow this to be gosh you guys i've gone through this the last three or four weeks doing a spiritual health check asking myself the honest questions for me pride is a big issue kept me from being saved for six months after I knew the truth. I was more willing to go to hell for eternity than I was to um, confess my sin and admit that I couldn't do it on my own anymore. I was willing to risk eternity for that in my own confidence. What foolishness that looks like now. What foolishness that is. Now we know God forgives us of any confessed sin. That can be a private moment with you now. It doesn't need to be something we need to hear in this setting. But God, there's nothing we can hide from God. There's nothing. If we become practiced at hiding our sin, ask God to break that. In fact, ask God to reveal that sin. My hidden sin was revealed not by my own good nature, but by being discovered. It was brought to light. By bringing it to light, 
then it could be healed. Once it's brought to light, then it's healed. But this isn't really only about a sin issue, although that does separate us from being able to walk in God's will. It's about a willingness to surrender to Him that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to spend forever in heaven with Him. Why would we worry about our own physical needs now? Why would we be so concerned with the things now? I believe God's will at this time for this church is to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not later, not when it's convenient, not when we retire, not when our kids are out of the house, not when we reach a certain income level. Seek now the kingdom of God. That looks differently for each of you. I would never be so presumptuous as to see what that would look like. Seek now. So with your hands raised or in a prayerful posture, I ask you just to cry out to Him, to ask now. Father, I'm going to pray for you. Father, reveal to me. Open my heart. Open my heart. Father, forgive me where I've hardened it. I pray for a circumcision of my heart, to have it pulled away. Whatever it is that's blocking me, whatever's seared my heart, whatever's blocked my heart, whatever's keeping you out of it, pull it off. Remove it. Cut it off. I don't care how much it hurts. And throw it away. Remove it. It's useless and it's gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, with that open heart, that has nothing blocking it, nothing covering it, nothing seared, I'm coming to you now with a raw and open heart. I ask you to reveal by the power of your Holy Spirit to me, individually, for me, what is your will for my life? Father, before I can receive that, I have to repent. I have to repent. I have not been looking enough in the Bible. I have not been spending enough time. Lord, I know you're not looking for me to be a classroom expert, but Father, you want me to know your will so I can walk in your will. Lead me to those scriptures when I go home tonight that will help me better understand your will so I can walk in your will, fueled by your Holy Spirit and baptized in your love, and I can move in fullness and effectiveness, God, in the name of Jesus. And lastly, I want to pray a blessing over you. Just receive this blessing. Father, I pray for each of these beautiful people that you have created, that you knew as we so eloquently heard just moments ago, that were you knit together in, in their mother's womb before they were even born. In fact, the Bible says even before all time, he knew you and he had a plan for you. And it was a beautiful and wonderful plan. You understand that once you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been washed of all your sin. And as you sin again, confess your sin and move on. Move on. Pick yourself up. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are standing here in this room before right now in this front and you're thinking, oh, I didn't do that or I did do this or oh my gosh, when I was a teenager before I was born again, I did that. We've got long lists. I do. There's no condemnation. The devil will try when you leave this room today to bring up those things that you did before you were born again or maybe while you're even born again. Confess them now silently to the Lord. Ask him to wash you clean of any of those sins lust, fornication, envy, on and on and on. Just ask Him to remove those because you'll be clean and white as snow when you leave this room, this sanctuary, because He hears your prayer. He'll forgive you for any confessed sin that you bring to Him now in the name of Jesus. So Father, I present to you a pure bride, a bride that's coming to you with hunger and for, with thirst. They're demonstrating by their body motion, by being here at the altar, that they desire to know your will as it's revealed in your word. Father, I pray that you'll move in mighty, mighty ways, 
to each of these today that as they leave this place, not only will they be leaving because they've confessed their sin. And if you haven't yet, do it now. Confess your sin so you can receive this blessing. Confess your sin to him that you may be neither hiding or withholding. Just confess it. Receive his, receive his forgiveness. Let it wash over you. Wash over you. Feel his love over you right now in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it. Receive his goodness right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, as these depart or receive additional prayer, Lord, and you're welcome to receive additional prayer. As they receive additional prayer, Lord, let them know they're walking as a pure and unblemished bride. And their desire as being a perfect bride for you, for you when your son returns, Lord, is that they will be walking in your will. Not just knowing your will, but walking in it in confidence, hope, and joy. And Lord, lastly, we know where your presence is as it is here. There is freedom. And we thank you for that freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And everyone say amen and receive that. In the name of Jesus.